Welcome to What the Bible Says, a Lugnuts Podcast Group production. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What the Bible Says. We have Season 2, Episode 24. Today is September 3rd, 2023. My name is Aiden Ottman. To my right, I have Mark Albright. To right across from me, I have Zeke Jones. Hey there. In between the two of them, I have an empty chair because we couldn't find anybody and Steve is busy. <laughs> and to my, left, to my left, leading us for our part two of this little thing, uh, if you haven't watched part one, go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. I said, watch, listen. We don't do Same video thing. yet. I have Maybe. Kenneth Kramer. Oh, wow. Hello there. Very I'm long very, intro, very, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> need to get through. It's fine. Apparently, Mark can't speak when... Well, I waved at you guys. They don't know. <laughs> like I just said, we don't do video yet, okay? We haven't yet. gotten that far. We were yet. Yeah. I, we're not... Yeah, we're Camera not angles yet. are kind of... Audible waving. What's being a pain. But there. Audible wave. Well, Mark the says wind. hello. Anyway, quick little summary. If you didn't want to listen to part one for some reason, I highly suggest you do or else you're going to be lost in this one. Quick little summary. We talked about what forgiveness is last week, and we gave nine reasons, uh, nine lessons of what the Bible says about forgiveness. That's all I'm going to say about that. No brain teaser this week, guys. We're going right. Oh. We're going right in. I don't have is this to think today. Is this because last time we recorded for like an hour? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just because I couldn't think of a brain teaser for this. <laughs> Fair enough. And Steve dumped about seven <clears throat> sermons worth of information in about 45 minutes to me about this. Oh, his brain's already been teased. Is what he's saying, and that was on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, this so, was on Thursday. So I thought had plenty of time to. I, I thought I thought he gave you like forty-five minutes worth of sermons, this, like this morning. He's probably going to go grab a blueberry donut secretly. I, I wouldn't doubt he is. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. But you know, he has his mom's not doing so well right now. So yeah. Um, and Matthew are, is busy, probably. Yeah. I assume. Well, I didn't I even ask Matthew about it because we Man, like, no. we, I thought Steve was going to be here. It's yeah. almost like having a kid makes you busy. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So we imagine. are going to be jumping around a lot. Right. We're going to first start in 2 Corinthians 5.11. Not that jump around. <laughs> <laughs> you know where, right? <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going. Jump around. <laughs> We're not that jump around. Where are we starting? Uh, Aiden, for you, that'll pay, be page eighteen forty one. Second Corinthians two five through eleven. Okay. Kenny gets a kick out of the fact that we're using the same Bible. You yeah. Can just point out page numbers. page numbers. Yeah. And then we're going to be going to Aiden for you, page eighteen forty seven, or Second Corinthians seven eight through eleven. And that's all I'm going to say right now. The and first one was two... Five through eleven. Sin, uh, sinner forgiven for you. <laughs> See, I know his, I know his Bible. Well, not you no, specifically, but your Bible. Okay. So, who wants to read this one? I'll read. Okay. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but... Uh, but in part that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is punishment which was inflicted of many, so that uh, contrariwise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. What translation? <laughs> I don't know. Do you I, want me to read that? I forgot again? my Bible and I, I grabbed one of the ones from upstairs. And what's it say? I I, <laughs> hard, I, I did not understand I, half of yeah. what he said. Yeah, that was please, someone else. Can you read okay. second? Is you five through eleven? Please. Yes, Authorized this is King NIV. James version. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. NIV. This yeah. is. Yep, there you go. Uh, normal speak. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent. Not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote you 
was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. How far did you want me to go? 11. 11? Okay. Uh, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, uh, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So I know in the last episode we talked about what part two would be called and what we would talk about, and we came up with forgiving yourself. We are unable to forgive ourselves. There is no way possible that we can forgive ourselves. Now, what we can do is not live in excessive grief, hmm. which is this what this verse what these verses, I should say, are talking about is excessive grief. Mm -hmm. Don't be caught up in excessive grief. In excessive grief. Yeah. Say that five times fast. Well, yeah, it's not so much that we need to forgive ourselves. Because, we, yeah, like you said, we can't do that. It's more recognizing that God has forgiven us and not wallowing in self-pity and... Right. Sorrow. Exactly. And, and I think the key is to, first of all, recognize that we're not perfect. And then we need to accept that we've done something wrong. We need to learn from our mistakes and we need to move on and not dwell on it. Because I think the key there with forgiving yourself, which we just, you know, can't really forgive yourself. But the key to moving on is just to realize that um, mistakes were made but you can't do anything to change the fact that you did something wrong so you almost need to realize that since you can't affect it you got to move on if you can't change it don't worry about it it's kind of the idea of our pile and god's pile right mm -hmm. and, and there's three takeaways from these from this section of verses that we need to do we need to forgive mm -hmm. comfort mm -hmm. and reaffirm love mm -hmm. now comfort there uh, I'm, Steve, you're going to love this if you listen to it. Uh, comfort there does not mean like, oh, Aiden, oh, yeah, 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 you're okay. <laughs> no, it's coming alongside and making yeah. sure that they are on the right path right? and going down the right path. Um, now we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11. Would anyone want to read that? Except for Zeke and his weird version yeah. of the Bible. Yeah, Zeke, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to go like get to another read, Bible? But actually, yeah, here, take Steve's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swipe, yeah, swipe. Okay. There you go. Is that Steve's? It no, was here that, yesterday. Or that, that was, that's that was what Matthew, Matthew used. Yeah. Right, right, right. I'm going to say, Steel if that was Matthews. Steve's, it would be twice as thick and full of highlighter, like <laughs> yeah. three pounds right. extra weight of highlighter. Mm -hmm. A lot of notes. I could read seven. You said eight through 11? Eight through 11, yes, sir. <clears throat> Clear the throat a little. All right. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regret it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you, what a desire to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. Mm. And I think, Mark, you kind of touched on it, or and Zeke, too, you kind of touched on it, too, that there's there's two different kinds of sorrow. There's there's godly sorrow, mm -hmm. then there's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to repentance, which leads to, you know, forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. Worldly sorrow just leads to death. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's, the, we, Steve and I kind of talked Thursday about this as we were talking about, you know, what I should include in the podcast that this is Paul's kind of sorry not sorry section of verses like yeah. he starts off by saying you know he doesn't regret writing this letter mm -hmm. you know he's sorry that he's he's sorry he's quote sorry that he wrote it but he's also not sorry about it either because right. the Corinth the people the church at Corinth needed to hear this mm -hmm. um, and so we can find and to make Steve happy again too because this text without context it's just a pretext 
the the uh, subtitle in my Bible for this section is joy and repentance. So we can find joy in sorrow. Um, and and there's seven things to take away from this section of verses about what are biblical characteristics of a person with godly sorrow. Um, and mine are going to be using the NIV version. Mm -hmm. So whatever I say here is going to be exactly how it is in the NIV Bible. Our, ours, Aiden and I's, because we use the CSB, they're going to be a little bit different, but it's okay. So the first one is earnestness. Mm -hmm. Someone, I don't care who, what do you think earnestness, earnestness means? Hmm. Well, to be earnest, right, is to... Um, it's it's kind of like um, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it because I I, I want to make sure that it's coherent uh, a coherent thought when I say it out loud. I I think earnest could be <clears throat> described almost almost like truthful. Eh, yeah. I think of it more as like. If you're earnestly chasing something, you're desperate to get to it, or you're desperate yeah. to finish something, or you're desperate to find something. You are you are trying to get to some end goal quickly kind of deal. Mm -hmm. You really, really want to get there, and you want to do it as fast as possible. Really not room for patience in that one. <laughs> right. Um. <clears throat> At least that's the way my brain translates it when I start... Usually with these kind of questions, I start trying to put them into sentences. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, what does a sentence seem to make sense of what the word might mean? I, I, so, Ernest, it's, I think it's, it's almost like sincerity, right? You're, 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 you are genuinely sorry for what you've done. It's, yeah. Um, Mark, do you have, do you want to play? Sorry, I'm thinking here. Um, I think that I would define earnestness as clearly showing your desires and intentions with honesty. That's a better way of saying what I was trying to say. <laughs> that is so weird because normally it's the other way around. Well, yeah. So Webster's def dictionary definition of it um, is excited by desire in pursuit of any object. Mm. So Aiden kind of nailed it right on the head. It's, you know, you're excited to pursue something. You are actively pursuing, you know, let's say, whatever, whatever you're going after. And in our case, it's forgiveness. You are actively pursuing forgiveness. Um, and an example of earnestness that I, that I found of, of looking it up, you know, online and seeing, Oh, examples of er, uh, earnestness in the Bible. Uh, I came up with Ephesians one 14. Um, and I'll read it here. It says the Holy spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Reading that. I, I don't know. I'm kind of like questioning whether or not that, even is an example uh no no nah, okay okay i get it now because we are we should be actively pursuing you know god the holy spirit all that stuff because if we don't then we don't get what is we don't get the inheritance you know since since i'm assuming all of us here are you know christian um really <laughs> I don't know, Kenny. That's, I, a, yeah. pretty, that's a, a requirement for the podcast. I, I feel like we all shouldn't be shaking our like nodding our heads. I feel like we should probably be saying yes, yes, yes we are, yes, like, very clearly, yes, no. we are. Um, you we, can't see us shaking our heads. You can't see us. Yep, mm -hmm. yeah. on the podcast, we don't have the video yet. Right. All in favor, raise your hand. There we go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, we should be actively pursuing. Um, the Holy Spirit, and because of that, we we are granted that inheritance 
you know, at the end of our race. Um, not the human race, but the end of our, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. The end of our spiritual race. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, the second one is eagerness. So give me a, someone give me, someone play along and give me what you think the word eagerness means. Eagerness, eagerness, eagerness. And I'll give you a hint. Some of you already covered it. E to pursue with eagerness would be, in my mind, pursuing with excitement or with a joy to accomplish something. Did you literally read my notes? No. They are, right, they are not very far I mean, away from yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Like these, well, like the first two. Earnestness and eagerness are not that far apart. Yeah, they're kind Literally, of Literally, it's enthusiasm to do or have something. Yeah, because earnestness, I would think, is like you're pursuing something um, and you believe it to be so good or whatever. Or you're so excited about doing it that you see no reason to and you don't care to hide how you feel about it or what you're right. doing. I, I would assume like eagerness and earnestness are kind of like they're kind of the same together. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so does someone want to get Second Peter one ten for second, me, please? Oh, Second Peter. Second wow. Peter. Quick, yeah. quick interjection because I know how much Steve loves his weird language words. <laughs> <laughs> I love the CSB points out the uh, Greek word "lupe," which is the Greek word for grief or pain or sorrow. You said one ten. One ten. Okay, I can read that if you want. Okay. Okay, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail. And I should, let me turn the... And what does Steve always say about therefore? It means that uh, there's Pay attention. Yep, there's yeah, there's probably to the something. previous verses, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, in, in context of that, because also, also what does Steve say now? A text without a context is just a pretext. Yep. I'll, I'll get it again. Um, this is it's subtitled in my NIV for this section, starting with verse 3, is growth in the faith. Um, and so, you know, if I would have read, you know, up until that verse, I would have known what it is. But unfortunately, Steve, I think this is just going to be a pretext because I have no idea what the context is. I'm sorry to fail you, Steve. But anyway, third thing is indignation. Does anyone know what the definition of indignation means? Aiden, you're two for two to see if you can make it three for three. You might want to conceal your notes real quick. Be indignant. To be indignant. Uh, I would think to be indignant is almost like not caring to be impartial in a way or to dang, feeling of indignation it's right in my head somewhere i know what the meaning of this word is oh come on either you you're the young guy you still okay. school. Yeah, no, so I, I mean if you separate the words out right indignation right not indignant in other words I would. It sounds to me like, that someone or something has caused a problem that has made things worse or whatever, and you see that, and you're like, "That's not okay." Okay. It's almost like seeing something not okay, or and just not caring. No, it's more of a. <clears throat> it's more of a being aroused to action by something that you perceive or just in general is not good okay how about you just go ahead and read that because i'm not gonna zeke okay. has you're not gonna play in this one uh, just because well, you don't have see. without dignity let's well that's what i was thinking because right in or is like so and then it sound dignant sounds a lot like you know like dignity and almost that almost invokes a feeling of like pridefulness and i feel like it's something like humility because of that but i don't think well, that's right see what There's i think no is right. if you separate it out it's it's without dignity and the general context of where it's used in a sentence or how it's used in a sentence implies that someone has or something has taken your dignity and you're right. not happy about it 
Yeah, I th- well then I well yeah, I think so it'd probably be like Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you just want to read clear. off the definition yeah. for us. So, it's a feeling characterized by or expressing strong displeasure at something considered uh considered to be unjust, offensive, or yeah. insult insulting or base. Man, that was word for word. That's... Second guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, that's what I'm thinking it, of man. it. Is in the classic sense of like I, I don't know, from books and stuff. It's the classic reading of like a noble. He was indignant to the peasant or something kind of deal. Is that he finds somebody else's existence like displeasurable? Yeah, yeah that's what we're. It's not. It's it's a not necessarily. Uh. It's not necessarily a. It's not really a passive kind of thing. It's more of a. Uh, You've done something to anger or wrong me, and I am not happy about it at all. So, and for this one, which is just it's just weird. Other than the verses we just read in Second Corinthians seven eight through eleven, there is no other example of indignation in the Bible that I <laughs> could find. Huh. Really? Now, if someone wants to write into us and say, hey, there's this example of indignation, or Steve, if you go back and listen to this and say, hey, there's an example of this, feel free to tell me. Steve, we're issuing a issuing you a formal challenge. <laughs> Prove us wrong. You don't want to yeah. challenge Steve about anything with the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that, fair. Fair. Um, and then uh, the fourth thing is alarm. Any of you want to Almost tell me the like definition of alarm? Preparedness or readiness. Okay. I would call alarmed like something had to like set you off. You went on like full alert mode almost. Like ready for way. action? Yeah. Ready for action would be or something inspiring you to action. Mm-hmm. I would say it's more a response to not necessarily news, but some kind of information about an impending disaster or problem. Response to disaster or to a problem? <clears throat> I'm having a hard time phrasing this less right. Less so the disaster, <laughs> but more so the problem, Aiden, yeah. is that you're hitting it right. You, especially in this context, what we're talking about, I think that that's it's probably readiness or preparedness to solve an issue. I, I think it's preparing for a future problem. Mark, you are now two for two <laughs> with these last two. He's Aiden, caught me up. Aiden, Aiden's also got Come it, at right? me, Aiden. Aiden. Aiden is two for three. He didn't get indignation. He got it close, but he didn't get it. Um, anyway. I'll Actually, wouldn't that make, make me two for four? You got to step it up, Zeke. Come if on. I didn't make I a, get alarm. <laughs> I'm... No, you got alarm. Oh, then that's... So three. you're three for four. Three for four. My bad. I'm, what, one for two? <laughs> you're, you're you're one for four. We, we got... One for four. We I got, really... Well, yeah, okay, fair. Zeke, but we got to gang up on, on Aiden. He's winning. I'm just going on, the, like, the last two. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, alarm in, in this sense Wait. is a, sh- a sudden, sharp apprehension and fear resulting from the perception of imminent danger. Yeah. Um, so a quick example of that. Uh, is Jeremiah forty nine verse two? Does anyone anyone? Okay, Aiden's turning there. Okay. Oh, I gotta remember where Jeremiah is. You have little things on the side of your Bible. You can't cheat. <laughs> you need to remember where uh, Jeremiah. I'm here, Aiden. I can read it if Just you want. Mayhem. Okay, he's there. Mark got it. Yeah. Oh gosh, darn You gotta practice your sword drills. Come on. Uh, it's been forever, dude. <laughs> but the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sound the battle cry against Rabbah. Of the Ammonites, it will become a mound of ruins, and its surrounding villages will be set on fire. Then Israel will drive out those who drove her out. From uh, says the Lord. Let me keep going. Nope. Okay. Just forty-nine two. So in that sense, people were supposed to be on guard. They were supposed to be ready for that. You know, in that case, an alarm of what was about to happen. Yeah. Generally, alarm is. Um, like associated with a like a, the emotion of fear, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I don't think. Mm-hmm. No, I just it just is a general preparedness for a future event. Well, it's kind of making me think like we are supposed to be prepared and ready for the uh, coming of Christ, right? right. And it, it's it's making me think about that pretty strongly. There, that mm-hmm. we should we should have 
we should be ready for the alarm any any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like if you think about it, like alarms nowadays, right? They're supposed to notify you of something that's coming, and generally the worst thing you can do is panic. Right. Yeah. So it's really a thing that's letting you know before things get really bad so that way you can prepare for it. So that way you don't panic whenever the time comes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the fifth one here is longing. Um, Zeke, I think you probably saw what longing meant or saw it when I showed you what verse you were going to read. Did you? No? Okay. <laughs> what, anyone have a definition of the word longing? I bet Aiden does. <laughs> <laughs> a strong desire for something one does not have or does That's, not have any more. That, I think, is more accurate. Well, actually, not necessarily, because that that's a pretty accurate uh, description, I think. But it kind of doesn't really um, describe the, I guess, the emotional state, I would say, of the word. Because uh, an intense desire for something that one doesn't have. An intense, lonely desire almost is more Yeah, because it's like that that kind of uh, description fits envy lust of a bunch of other words like that not necessarily are, well that are not really they don't really have the same emotional usage or like Long, longing for something almost looks at it does. as in like a lonely or a nostalgic kind of way like mm. something either you've never had or something you do no do not have any longer yeah, something i would say is... longing is probably something that you strive to attain as I think opposed, longing is like a a, a a desperate desire and almost like there are some things that you're here. Here's what I'm thinking of. There are some things you're excited for because you know you kind of it's reasonable to expect that like oh that that that's gonna happen. I know it will. It's just kind of a matter of time. But longing is almost like a, a deeper desire, and it's like longing is for things that are almost further off than. Or more unlikely. Right. Yeah, I think that's what I kind of think that things that you believe are less likely or things that you have a stronger desire for would be described with longing rather than like excitement. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I'm sorry. You can go. Where eagerness is like a pursuit of a a known goal that you can't achieve, longing is more of a pursuit or a desire for something yeah. you are unlikely yeah. to have you, again or attain i think I'd, you kind of hit it with the almost nostalgia too or yeah like you said something that you haven't had before right yeah. it's just it, i think that those are kind of the right yeah feelings behind i think um longing is kind of like a, a long-term version of eagerness whereas eagerness is like a sprint towards something that you're excited about Longing is a steady like pace marathon. towards what you are looking for. And like, yeah, it kind of, I think it's it's very similar to envy, but with one real difference in that, let's say you have a neighbor on your other side, on the other side of your fence that has this really nice lawnmower and you really want it, but you don't have the money for it. You can either be envious of him and be, I want that, and but I don't have it and he has it and I don't like him for having that. Or you can look at it longingly and be like, one day I'll get to that point where I can have that. And... I, I think that to put it in, in terms of the, the sprinting towards, in terms of the sprinting towards it, like you said, with eagerness, eagerness is like the hundred meter dash or whatever. And then longing is the marathon. And if you put it yeah. in the terms, which it might be somewhere where he's going with the, in terms of forgiveness is longing for a time when you did not have this grief for what you feel you have done had not been done. To be a, an almost feeling of if I could go back, in a way. I'd I'd think it would be more of a, like a going towards like steadily working towards the place where, um, obviously you have to, like you can't just earn the right to be forgiven or whatever, but working towards the point where, you no longer feel that grief and pain because you've changed to the point where 
you are a better person because of what happened. Okay, Kenny. So we carpet bombed the the answer. Uh, <laughs> we we guessed so many things. We got to um, be kind of right. <laughs> you <laughs> sometimes you kind of you kind of hit the bullseye. Other times you were just hitting the wall. Um. So it's a desire or expectation of fulfillment. Huh. Hmm. That and, makes sense. And yeah. you'll understand with this verse, Psalm 41, 1 through 2. Zeke, if you want to go ahead and read that for me, please. Yeah, Psalm 41, 1 through 2. Uh, Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. Um, is that the right one? You sure about that? that was the one that I wanted. <clears throat> well, let's let's just have some small talk while Kenny's looking. Right? Yeah. You know, it's a struggle with these words in context too. If you think about it, is is in Bible context and in modern English, <laughs> some of these words are a little bit different. Yeah. Well, actually, the <clears throat> words go through a lot of changes. Oh, it think. was forty-two. Uh, forty-two. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let, I can read. That. I think. No, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? That's the verse that yeah. I want. I think, I think the word fulfillment is what really sets longing apart mm-hmm. from all of the other words yes. that imply a strong desire for something. Because if you're longing for something, yeah, you're you're working towards something that not necessarily that you've been promised, but something that is pr- may probably attainable in the future. Exactly. Mark, I'm going to give you a verse before I give this one. I want you to go to Ezekiel 36:21. You're sure I shouldn't read that? <laughs> you just read the last one. I, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm giving you a break. Oh, okay. But if you want a verse to read, I, I'll take one. I was just I'll kidding. Give though, you, I'll give you Luke 20, Ezekiel? Luke 12, 35 through 40. Okay. Uh, Ezekiel 36:21. You said, yes, sir. Okay. I had con- Oh wait, do you want me to read it now? Not yet. Okay. So, this uh number 6 on the list is concern. Okay. What do you guys think concern means? I th- I think it's Oh, I was looking for the verse to make oh. sure I had it again. <laughs> second, <laughs> second Kings 13:23. Okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah. I think concern is like a lower key version of alarm. I think concern Where is like you um, you see a problem forming, and you recognize that it needs to be dealt with, not maybe now or maybe in the future, but you aren't to the level where it's like really bad. I think concern, concern for the is, poten- oh, huh? concern for the potential is the potential of a problem. Yeah, I think concern is almost <clears throat> like a lighter form of worry, in some senses. Yeah, where, yeah. whereas like alarm is preparing for something that will happen, something concern that is, is a like problem. Something that won't necessarily yeah, happen. Yeah, concern is, I would say, preparing for a problem that will probably happen and might happen. So I think where alarm is preparing for something that's definite, concern is almost like you're preparing for uh, uncertain circumstances uh, that are maybe less likely for yeah. My you'd be like alarm, oh, oh. like the alarm, right? My best guess for concern would be the the possibility of a problem or an issue coming up. When I I put that into sentences of I am concerned about something at work is yeah. that there's a potential for something, or I am concerned about my friend I haven't heard from is concerned about there being a possibility of something wrong with that friend. Mm-hmm. It's not, to me, it's not necessarily a pre- being prepared as much as recognizing the possibility. Yeah. I think, yeah, concern is kind of like the <clears throat> predecessor to alarm, whereas there's not a, not necessarily a clear problem yet. There is a problem forming, mm-hmm. and you take notice of that. Yeah, so... Definition is marked interest or regard arising through a personal tie or relationship. Can you put that in less fancy English for us? Uh, the sentences that Aiden said. So, yeah, okay. I right. think specifically concerned about 
the well-being of a friend right or a exactly. family member yeah or well know. because you don't necessarily you don't have to, have ex- to yeah like concern doesn't stop at personal relations you can be concerned about a lot of things like problems that are arising in your country in the in your world just general problems that are starting to arise well in everyday life i think yes or no if that's the specific description of a word like that i think it's also recognizing that we as a population these days start to generalize some words yeah because where if that's reading is of given a personal tie like it could attain to country you are a member of your country you know or this so of course you might have some concern over the well-being of such a thing but you could use probably other words to describe some of those like at work or some something yeah. coming up well, where concern seems to be more focused Kenny, on you, the relationship. Well, actually, can you read that definition again, Kenny? <clears throat> I can. Marked interest or regard arising through a personal tie or relationship. Okay, yeah, so it's not just tie, a relationship. It means like things that you have a vested yeah. interest in. That's fair. Yeah. So, so I think that it says yeah, that relations. Is, it also sense. says personal ties. So I think that you can use like, I'm concerned about the storm coming. I have a personal vested interest in. The yeah, I, I guess. Affected by the storm. Whenever, I, honestly, the word concern in a used in a sentence just kind of makes whatever you're talking about more personal, I guess, because I'm concerned about my health issues. I'm concerned about my country. I'm concerned about my place of business. It's like, like you wouldn't necessarily say like, um. Let's say that there is let, – let's say that there's a hurricane coming to Florida, something that happens pretty pretty regular. But let's say I've never been there and I don't know anyone down there. I, could, I wouldn't say I'm concerned for the hurricanes in Florida. I think I'd say I'm worried about those. Like con- concerned is almost more personal. Like if yeah. I had a friend down there that I knew that lived in Florida – Then it would be say, I'm, concerned I'm concerned for my friend down there. Yeah. Right. Here's a here's a fun little conversation side rail for you. just a quick question so we don't derail Kenny majorly. We're not gonna derail like last time. Is in this situation of you were concerned about somebody you know, but maybe haven't been very close with for a while or not close in general. Have you ever had that feeling of not being sure if you are in a correct position to reach out with, due to that concern? Now, does the fact that you are concerned mean that you are at least close enough that you do have some connection enough to reach out or do you feel that if you aren't very close to somebody you shouldn't be the one to do it i feel like you I, all the time i feel like you <clears throat> should reach out if you feel like you should reach out like if you're having those thoughts and you care about that person enough then i think maybe that you should take the responsibility to say something yeah, that's something that I'll admit right here. I'm really quite bad at. I have that issue a lot. <laughs> I, I struggle with it too. Because I I'm just poor in relationships in general for the most part, and so it's a lot of that constant in the back of your head is, am I in a correct position to be the right person to say or ask yeah. something? I mm-hmm. I've been working on st- on just general communication <laughs> because I'm really not good at that, and that's part of something I've been trying to do better. Uh, but. I have that problem even with really close friends of mine where it's like I don't know if it's like if I should say something or if I should wait till they say something or if till someone else says something and then it gets to the point where I uh, have lost an opportunity to say something about it. Well, have has there anyone ever messaged you, like texted you or called you just to see how you're doing and you're like, oh man, someone was wondering about my well-being. I don't know, maybe, maybe, but I'm I'm always at least like. Depends oh. on if I'm still quite freshly angry about this situation. To be oh. honest, well, okay, I've had those reactions yeah. where it's just like, but out of my life, and then later went, well, that was probably just because I was frustrated in the moment. Right. Well, what? A, yeah. Okay, put that back in your brain bank for later podcasts, and then go back to Kenny's lesson. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll answer that really quick, and then we'll get back on topic. It's like I've been there before on both ends, where it's like I have a friend that I haven't been close to, and it's like, I wonder how they're doing. But I don't know. I don't know if I should reach out or not and ask. But I've also been where it's like, okay, I've been close to a friend, and then I I still don't know if I'm okay because, you know, maybe there's something going on between 
me and that person or whatever. And it's like, should I reach out? Should I not? Is it going to be awkward if I reach out? Yeah. So I, I've been on both sides. Honestly, well, I, just I guess the thing is after, after you get past the initial part of am I the person that should be doing this, at least for me, then comes the problem of, well, what if they do tell me what's wrong and I can't do anything about it? <laughs> That's what the Bible is for. That's like I mean, that's what the really Bible is. says. Yeah, that's that's honestly a thing that I no. struggle with a lot is not actually being able to help my friends if they have problems. So I I think that what Kenny said, will it be awkward? It's probably going to be awkward. But you know what? Is it the end of the world if it's a little awkward? I know I struggle with that, too. So I'm not casting stones here. But you know what? Sometimes we are called to experience a little awkwardness and to go outside our comfort zones. And I think it's important that if we care about people, like we should be willing to suffer some awkwardness. If you truly care, care about, about somebody, you're going to be willing to put up with, and not put up as a bad word. It's just uh, to take on <laughs> the awkwardness or whatever is mm-hmm. the challenge in front of you to help out a friend. Now back to Kenny. <laughs> yeah. If you really care about hey, someone. I said back to Kenny. <laughs> Finish fine. your thought quickly. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. If you really care about someone, then you'll be willing to put up with the temporary discomfort of having to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Shameless plug. Listen to our episode on comfort zones. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's wait, been all. It's been there's all. There's so many episodes. Season I keep one. Wait, wait, we had one of those? Yeah, season one. Yeah. As soon as he said it, I remembered we did do that. That was way before your time, Comfort zones way. part two. It was before nope. your time, Mark. We're not <laughs> Back never, in the time of Nick. Never <laughs> again. So, uh, number seven here. This is a two-part <clears throat> definition. So, I'm going to need Ooh. definition for one and two. Readiness for justice is this one. So, I need a definition for readiness and a definition for justice. Do you need a definition for the word four? So, uh, no. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Readiness. <laughs> it's funny because those small words are like the hardest to define a lot of the time. Have you ever like looked up the definition for it? Oh, for by the way, I need those two verses. By the way, so oh, oh, oh yes, Ezekiel. So yeah, sure, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-one. Okay, I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. And <clears throat> little context for that people: that is the restoration of the people of Israel. And then Second Kings thirteen twenty three. Okay, and this one says it's uh, about God's mercy on Israel. But the Lord was gracious to them, had compassion on them, and turned toward them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was not willing to destroy them. Even now, he has not banished them from his presence. And that just shows that God is concerned about his people. There you go. Right. And thanks, Aiden, for giving me the context of that verse. You're welcome. Appreciate it. <laughs> so you so said And that- then number seven, yes, I need readiness and justice or you could do one or the other or both if you feel confident okay. so i think there was second to... kings during daniel's area era um i think it's, um, no. I think no, it's it before. Be before i think second it's before kings? i believe yeah, it's yeah king. kings uh the the book the two kings books i think are the line of kings after david right before yeah. the uh daniel destruction of israel you said Daniel. Yeah, I meant David. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's, I believe it's after David's. Name. After David, because yeah. I know it's got to be before Solomon. Because I was like, uh, Daniel right? is like the. Yeah, no, it's, the, I get uh, names exile. mixed up. It's, no, it's okay. It's after David, before Daniel, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm like 90% sure. Yeah, yeah. so First Kings is, um, if you want that, it's, well, it's actually, the final days of David, and then David's charge to Solomon. So this is basically David, Solomon. Um, and then and all their kids and all that. Yeah, and then Judah and stuff like that. And then second, the kings. slow degradation of the nation of Israel, basically That's, yeah, in That's novel form. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna go into full detail. If you want to go and if you want to look up all that stuff on your own, do it. Get yeah. ready for our deep dives on the book of First and Second Kings. It's so Just much. Kidding. It's so much more fun to read about the the slow decline of a country than it is to witness it. 
Uh, yeah. We're not here to talk politics, anyway. Mark. So, <laughs> definition for readiness or so, justice prepared. or both? I was going to say that. Readiness is preparedness. Well, I was I I prepared for action and then <laughs> it's because justice. because you're next to him. You get first I think pick. that justice is the... The dealing of righteous consequences... Like to to give people what they deserve based on their actions. Yeah, that's pretty much what I go with is consequent, the delivering of consequences based upon one's actions. Right. That's mm-hmm. a much more eloquent. Okay. I'd so, say ready. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I'd say readiness for justice would probably be to accept the punishment due to you for what you've done. Or prepared to no, dish I'm bring, out I'm consequences. I'm breaking it down, not putting into, not ready for it. I don't want a definition no, no, for I readiness know. for justice. It's well, I mean, you did say one or both. No, no, I and, we've already, like, and we've already we've defined. Separately, but you can we've already defined, defined both. Define. So I feel like it might be a good idea to. Readiness. What, to, what is breaking down the full thing? Like. I still think the wording almost sounds like readiness to dish out consequences. <laughs> well, because, yeah, if you don't really have the context, that statement could mean either preparing to uh like deal out the consequences for your actions or preparing to receive the consequences for your actions so it really depends on the context of the sentence yeah so you guys got readiness right i i forgot to mention that i need two definitions for readiness two you got the first one done in a (laughs) in a biblical form what does readiness mean? In a biblical form. Mm. In, yeah, not and not the Webster's Dictionary or somewhat close to whatever that says. Um, a biblical definition. A, not a solid biblical definition, but Would a Would it good, be something along the lines of right with God? Kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it. <laughs> Given his reaction, I think I got it. So Aiden's over here just he's reading got, my notes he's, verbatim. He's got the x-ray glasses on looking through your paper. Just Aiden, do you want to go ahead and give me a good biblical definition of justice? Aiden, why don't you just take over for Kenny? Uh, Sounds like you're doing it. Probably better. like If he this. gets this right, I may just walk out and just let Aiden finish it up. Oh, biblical justice, biblical justice. Uh, I'll give you a hint and help you out with your thinking. It's three words. Ooh. I can narrow it down to two words. No, you can't. Oh, you can actually. You can take off one. You can take off the first word. Readiness for justice. If we're going with right with God, so what? What does God do when He deals out justice? He makes promises. No. Promises, not prom- I'm going to give it away if I keep going on that. He makes example. Um, okay, so take okay, so let's go back here. Genesis 1 1, what did God do? Well, okay, Genesis chapter 1, what did God do? Well, are we the earth? Yes, and okay. the heavens. Are we defining a biblical term for justice or yes. okay yes god's we're, judgments we're, we're gonna we're gonna get there so he That's made the, he say. made the earth okay yeah. then people populated the earth right okay then people started doing what sin, sin. exactly then what did god do who did uh, he call he called hmm. on a certain person to do something and make something um, no created an ark yes created an ark then God did what to this world? He destroyed it with the flood. Exactly. Okay, so what did God do to the world? He got rid of sin, and he made things... He destroyed sin. Yeah. In a way. To make things new? Perfect? Close. <laughs> Pun- Close. Punishment and redemption. Right track. Hey, Zeke, you are on the right track. Yeah. So, In yeah. terms of like a direction, he made things... New. Right? Like, yes. Yeah. Like to make said, right. Punishment to make and redemption. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now you make... say that, I'm like, I've heard that in so uh, many uh, Steve uh, sermons. To as make soon things as I... right. I, I, yes. Okay. I, I really should have known that. It's okay. Or in German. Oh, no. 
a face in need of a fist. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. What? Rest. There, there is oh, a, there, yeah, yeah there is a right. full, not there is a wait. word no, for a, single, a face in need of a Yeah, there's a, a German We're word. We're not here face, to discuss you know, German. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. Anyway. <clears throat> no. Okay, so the first verse, Zeke, Luke twelve thirty-five through 40, please. 12, I did not hear that word So are we like halfway through your notes yet, or are we like <clears throat> a quarter? Yeah, this is the last one. Oh wait, that's and the it. That's it. That, that's it. But there's oh. a little. There's something else. Whoa. Too. But yeah, we're gonna have to stretch out the runtime yeah. a bit then. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will. Dress himself. To, uh, he'll dress himself to serve. Uh, we'll have them recline at the table, and we'll come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. Be under. Uh, but understand this: if the owner of the house had knocked at the, uh, at. I lost my place. Um, uh, but if the owner of the house had known at. Sorry, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his, uh, let his house be broken into. You must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour where you do not expect him. Uh, Peter asked, yeah. I could see okay. that in two ways you could almost translate as one is prepared in God's grace that he has forgiven us for the time when Jesus comes back, that he returns to find us blameless, or not blameless, without sin would be a better Mm -hmm. word, through through his Father's forgiveness. And the other one being the translation, prepared through God and his word and his forgiveness for the challenges of the world around us, because they will come at a time when we will not expect. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. The Son of Man attacks an hour. Yeah, that's about how I would read that. Like a thief in the night. night. Yeah. No one knows the day or the hour. Exactly. And then the second verse is Micah 6, 8, which says, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what what does the Lord require of you to act justly, justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Fun fact: That was a that was the first memory verse I learned hmm. at my old old elementary school, which is why I did that without even turning there. I think so. To walk humbly with God is probably something a lot of Christians these days would struggle with. Is a lot of I don't know. Yeah, it's sometimes it can come off as a, a mightier than thou instead of a not mightier, not holier than thou is the word I'm looking for, where it needs to be more of a look at me as a fellow sinner, but look where I have been allowed to get to through the grace that is the God I follow is a a demonstration of I as a human am not any better than you, but it is through God's grace that I have been made without sin. Preach! Yep, the only difference between a Christian and an unsaved person is that we've accepted God's free gift. We're both sinners and we both do a lot wrong. And I think the justice part of it is, I mean, he makes it kind of easy when he gives you the whole book, like yeah. in the description, you have a whole Bible that, that not only shows what true justice is, but makes it clear in a lot of ways that <laughs> as Christians, it's not our job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that can come off sometimes as a, well, a shaming of somebody or some like sin to say like, well, Look at you know your, the sin you live in. It's not our job. Our job is to give an outreach and a, uh, to help with a direction, mm-hmm. not to execute any form of justice upon sinners or upon other Christians. Right. It's not the position we've been given. Right. Exactly. We're not supposed to avenge. We're right. not supposed to be the Avengers. <laughs> the we're Avengers. So, that that's God. We're, we're, right. No, we're not supposed to seek 
revenge on right. anybody, and we're not supposed to be an avenger. Right. We we're not we're not God, so we can't play God. God is not God is the one that's going to avenge. Mm-hmm. Cri- Christians were not made. Vengeance in, is mine, declares the Lord. Yes. Christians were not made as God's tool for justice upon the the world. Right. Mm-hmm. We were made as the the prophets and the ones to help lead the world to God right. to avoid the justice. Right. Our, that, that's the way. I, the best way I could put it is what we are made to do well, is to help clear and say, look at the path that I have been graciously have been forgiven and have found through the power of my God well, that I can help lead others into this to yeah. avoid the same justice that I almost encountered. Well, yes. our, I, I agree, but I feel like we should just clear up the terms a little bit. Yeah, it's you, a little bit no, messy term. When, when, when you say, like, avoid the justice, that, that just comes across. But because justice has still been served, but Jesus has taken... Our punishment. Yes, for us. that's so much. So, so yeah, I just just want to restate that. That way, we get. You know. Yeah, yeah. Our job is not to change people's mind. That's what God does. Our job is to get people to think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> get turning people from sin. That's that's not our pile. Right. That's God's pile. And some like going along with the the vengeance is God's thing, right? He also tells like it is not our job to judge people. God actually. There are natural consequences for the choices you make, but God also says kind of who he executes his judgment through. He says we're to obey the governing authorities and that we need to listen to them and to obey their laws. And because of that, anyone who commits any serious offenses will hopefully be punished by the governing authorities and and God is God and in his infinite wisdom and power has appointed the right people to the right places even if they're like pharaoh sometimes you have people who are bad people who are in positions of power but it's still god's will because even though pharaoh did great evil god still used him for his purposes in getting the people of uh, the, the children of israel into the promised land so sorry that was a bit of a tangent but all i'm trying to say is that we need to accept that we are not in control of punishment uh, God has appointed people to uh, serve out justice. And even though the justice might seem like it's skewed sometimes, it's still God's will because God has appointed the right people to the right places to accomplish his will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like we're, we are not supposed to tell people that they're going to hell. We're supposed to tell them that there is an escape from it. That mm. that's where, that's where you're on track to go, but there is a way out of it. Mm-hmm. We're not here to condemn them or to tell them that they are they have problems or whatever. Because well, one they already know that, but we're here to tell them that there is a way to. Well, I think that's kind of an interesting point. Change that, that. we're not the condemners; they're already condemned. We yeah. just need to point them to the way out. And uh, going going back to the point of forgiveness and the first verse, right that we read. We're we're to come alongside those people, and not to push them in any direction. We're here to just we're here to give them support as, and point them in the right direction as they go down that path. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna wrap this epi- uh, this yeah this episode up by going to Philippians three twelve through thirteen. Philippians, what? Oh. Three. Three. Twelve through thirteen. Twelve through thirteen. I got it. Right, I do too. Okay. So, <clears throat> verses one through six is basically Paul's resume. Paul is stating that you know, look at okay. Basically, Paul's saying, "Look at me. Look what I have done." And then in verse seven, he says, "But everything that was gained to me, I have." Uh, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. So everything that he has done prior to this is a loss because of what he's done. Because he calls himself, he's the worst sinner among sinners. And basically, he's basically saying that nothing I have done now um, helps 
or heals what I have done mm-hmm. in my past life. Because what was Paul before he became Paul? Paul was a murderer of mm-hmm. Christians. He he sought and murdered Christians for believing in Christ. Mm-hmm. So him being a Christian now doesn't, you know, say doesn't forgive what he's done to those families of the people he killed or went after. No, it, he's he's still suffering the the consequences for that. However, he's he's been forgiven through Christ. Mm-hmm. And he wraps it up with verses 12 through 13, which are the most important parts of this section of verses. So whoever wants to read 12 through 13 for me, please go ahead. I got it. Philippians 3, 12 through 13 starts off with reaching forward to God's goal. This is the note for the top of this section. Mm -hmm. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that that's what we should do mm-hmm. as Christians. We should forget what is behind. Forget. That is what we are supposed to do. We can't Since we can't forgive ourselves, we are to forget. That is the end of part two. Join us next week for part three about where does your identity fall. Hmm. So, for Reverend Ezekiel David Jones, Mark Albright, Aiden Ottman, I am Kenny Kramer, a.k.a. Shepherd Kenny, saying, don't forget, Jesus loves you and so do we. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, please check out our website for more podcast episodes and shows at the Lug Nuts Podcast Group.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll see you.